Christians should work hard. Not only are we told in the Bible to not be lazy or idle, but when we turn to Jesus and trust in him to save us from our sins, then God changes us and gives us the Holy Spirit, and we're delivered from the power and the punishment of sin, but we're also made new and empowered to do good works, to work, to do something. And in making us a new creation, God says this about us. He says that he makes us people who are zealous for good works and ready for every good work. And so when the Bible talks about us being made new creations, part of that applies to work and how we work. And in our passage this morning, we see an example of that. We can look at history as well and see examples of that, of Christians who have worked and done hard things throughout history. Uh, I think specifically of William Wilberforce. He's maybe a more modern example, but he did the hard work of doing what was needed to be done to end the slave trade in England. And it was, it was really his faith, his trust in God and the belief in the truth that led him to do that hard work. And we see examples of that throughout history. And this morning in our passage, we see Nehemiah and the people doing this hard work. And specifically, we'll see also that it's their, it's their faith that motivates them and keeps them doing this work of rebuilding the wall. So this morning, our passage is very Short and simple, uh, we are looking at Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6 this morning. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to turn there. But we are looking at this one verse, and it says this, Nehemiah 4, 6. The word of the Lord says this. So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. The people had a mind to work. That's why the people were able to build the wall around the city. At this point, in this verse, they were, they had, as you can see, they had built the wall to half its height. They had surrounded the city. They had closed in its gaps and its breaks, and they were halfway done. And it was a work of all the people. All the people had joined together, whether they were priests, perfumers, uh, all professions. They had all joined together to build the wall, men and women alike. And they were doing this work. And we see this as their motivation. They had a mind to work. That, that inner drive, so to speak. And it accomplished really great architectural feats. That they were able to rebuild the wall. And so this morning... As we look at this verse, it's worth it for us to focus on this phrase, that they had a mind to work. And so we'll think about this, having a mind to work. What is that? What does that look like? Where does this motivation come from? And so as we look at this topic, as we think about it just in general, people can accomplish a lot of things. You don't have to be a Christian to do work, to accomplish a lot. Non-Christians build cities, they build civilizations, right? There's advanced technology, medicine, uh, 
hard work brings about all these things. And you don't have to be a Christian to do that. And yet, there is a difference between the work a Christian does and the work that other people do because the Christian work is driven by trust in God and motivated by God. And so not only is there this different motivation, but there's a different lasting impact of the Christian's work. You remember Psalm 127, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, the people labor in vain who build it. And there's this kind of work that gets stuff done, but it doesn't accomplish anything that lasts. But the work that is meaningful, the work that matters eternally, is work that is done with trust in God. That God is the one who's going to make things happen and have lasting impact by what we do. That's what we're reminded of in that psalm. And Nehemiah and the people, they have that trust. They trust that God is going to do something. They had remembered his promises. You could flip back to chapter 1, verse 9. God had said, if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. And the people knew that. They trusted that word, the promise of God, and they worked. They built the city to restore it, trusting that God would bring about this restoration. And so we see that in this passage, we've seen it already, that the Lord had this good hand upon them to accomplish everything that they had done, even in going before the king and getting the supplies from him. And so the people have this motivation, this mind to work, this trust in God for what they are doing. But we need to think about not just this motivation, they had it, but where did this motivation come from? How did they get this motivation? Because it's one thing if someone has a mind to work, but how do we get a mind to work? Where does it come from? How do we grow in it? Is that even possible? Well, as we drill down a little deeper, ultimately we realize that this motivation, this drive to work, comes from God himself. You can look at a couple places in the Bible, but if you, flipped, if you were to flip over to 2 Chronicles 30, we see there another example of a leader who is calling Israel to return to God and follow him. This is Hezekiah. He says, we're going to keep the Passover. We haven't kept the Passover in a while. Come join us as we keep the Passover. So he sends out messengers to all of Israel, not just the southern kingdom, but the northern kingdom as well. And some of them reject, they laugh off the messengers, they ignore it. But some of them listened, and they came, and we get this explanation for why they came. This is 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 12. It says, the hand of God was also on Judah, to give them one heart to do what the king and the princes commanded by the word of the Lord. And so we see there that this is God. Where did they get this desire, this motivation, the heart to follow after God? Well, it was God moving them, working in them, putting his good hand on them, so to speak, and making them want to follow the Lord. And so they came. 
We read something very similar in the New Testament. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13 says uh, essentially the same thing. That this is how God works. The reason that anyone does any work for God and follows God is because God is working in them. This is Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. It says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And so, go do the work. Work out your salvation. Do work. Go build the wall, as Nehemiah and the people were doing. Go build up the people around you. Go do the work. Go build up the church. Why? Because, the verse continues in Philippians, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work, for his good pleasure. And so we believe that God is working in us, giving us the desire to follow him, giving us the ability to follow him. And so this is why we, we don't think that when we do something, we're earning it ourselves, because God is the one doing this in us as Christians. He's giving us this ability and this desire. And really, that, that understanding that God works on in us to will and to work for his good pleasure. That really applies to everything in life. That applies to everything in the world. Anytime a Christian does anything good, it's because God is working in that person to want to do something good, and God is working in that person so they have the ability to do something good. And so we look at this passage in Nehemiah, and we see that God is working in the people, so they want to do this work. They have a mind to work, and this is the hand of God upon them, blessing them as they're returning to the land. And so if you need a reason to thank God this morning, there are multitudes of reasons, because any time anything good happens, you can trace that back to God. We give thanks for the people that God works through, as Paul did, as he gave thanks for the churches that supported him and otherwise. But we also thank God himself because this is the hand of God doing this. And so we give him thanks for every good thing, that God is bringing about his plans and purposes in the universe by giving people a will and an ability to do all sorts of things for his good pleasure. And so as we think about work specifically, we realize that God is giving us the motivation and the ability to work. And in whatever ability he's given us, whatever motivation he's giving us, we work to our full ability, and that's pleasing to him. Because when we work, we're doing really what God created us to do. The Bible says... uh, really says a lot about work, if you were to think about it. The Proverbs talk about work. Look at the ants and see how they have no leader, but they gather and prepare and store up food, right? But as we begin to read the Bible in Genesis, we can see that God gave Adam something to do. He gave him a task, a work to be done. Genesis 2.15 God creates Adam and puts him in the garden to work. 
to work it and keep the garden. And then in Genesis 1.27, we see that God created Adam and Eve and gave them a purpose, a reason why they're working, that he created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so God created Adam and Eve for the glory of God, to display his glory. They were meant to be walking displays throughout the earth of the glory of God. That's what it means to be made in his image to glorify God. And so God is doing this. He's created this relationship with Adam and Eve, made them in his image. They're supposed to display what he is like and what it means to follow him. And then in the next verse, he blesses them. And he said, Genesis 1.28, God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. And so it's not just Adam and Eve who are going to display the glory of God, but it's going to be a multitude of people made in his image, spreading out over the whole earth, displaying God's glory. And so be fruitful, multiply, have kids so that there will be more people made in the image of God, and his glory will be displayed over the whole earth. That was the plan and purpose of God from the beginning. And that was only going to happen through work. Because as the population expanded, Adam was given the task also, really if you think about it, to, to expand the garden so that all the people would be able to live in it and be a part of it. And God gave Eve as a helper to Adam in doing this work as well. And so work has always been a part of God's plan from the beginning. He gave this work to Adam. He gave Eve as a helper in this work to work to spread the glory of God over the face of the earth. That was really the task that God gave them. And not only is it true that work is good because it was something given before the fall, right? It's not like work is a result of sin, and so it's terrible and uh, drudgery. It is that because of sin, but it was something before sin. So in and of itself, it's something actually good given from God, even though now with sin, it's been tainted and under the curse. But we see that there's, there's a reason behind the work. And it's not just that it's a good thing, but God gives them a reason that it's a good thing. Because in working, you're spreading the glory of God. That's the purpose of work. And really, when we get to the book of Nehemiah, we see that same understanding of work. This physical work, building the wall, motivated by God, and trusting him so that he would be honored. You remember why they were building the wall. You remember that they thought Nehemiah understood that it was a great shame to them that here they are, the people of God, with their cities destroyed. How does this honor God? Not only is it a shame upon us, it's a shame upon God. And so they're motivated to build the wall to not only restore the people of God and return to God, but to honor God himself. Right? He is the great God who is taking care of this people, look at what he's doing restoring the people. That was their 
thinking. And so they had this motivation really to show the greatness, the glory of God as they did this work. And so we see really clearly from creation and from Nehemiah as well that work is good and work is about expanding the glory of God. And we need to have that same mindset as well. That when we work, the purpose for it is to expand the glory of God. And so you don't have to be in ministry to do that. You don't have to be, well, there are some professions that do not uh, explicitly expand the glory of God. Like, by doing that work, you're actually sinning. And so that's not expanding the glory of God. But most jobs are not like that. They're not inherently wrong. And so in working those jobs, our aim is supposed to be expanding his glory. How can we do that? We can do that in lots of ways. We just think about the question, how do I spread the glory when I spread the glory of God when I go to the plant? How do I spread the honor of God when I'm taking care of grandkids or kids? How do I use the ability that God has given me to honor him and to spread his glory? That's affected by how we work, but it's also affected by the results of our work as well. We spread God's glory by how we work and also by what we produce with our work. And that's not just something that's limited to retirement or limited to work either. It's something that happens in retirement. Because think about it, if the purpose of our work is to spread the glory of God, well, that never stops. You may stop having to work to provide for the material needs of yourself and the people around you, but the work of spreading God's glory doesn't stop until he returns. So even in retirement or a change of what our work looks like, we still have this reason, this motivation for the things we're doing. So think about how we work. We honor God by how we work. Colossians 3.23 says this, Whatever you do, work heartily, or some versions say, with your whole heart. Work with your whole heart. Ask to the Lord and not to men. So you glorify God just by working hard, by doing it with your whole heart. It's not about whether you like your employer or not. It's it shouldn't be half-hearted in effort because when you work, you're working to give the Lord glory. You're working as though he is your employer, your master. And he is honored when we give our full efforts in that. 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 through 12 says this about work. Even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. And so that tells us something about work as well. You glorify God by being busy at work, not being a busy body. That's just a great linkage together. Not not a busy body, but busy at work, right? We, we don't walk in idleness. We don't procrastinate. We don't uh, cheat by expanding our breaks and uh, never giving the employer what they deserve because we're on the clock, right? You, we're created to work, and we work with our whole heart 
And we work being busy at work, not busy bodies. And God created work, we see in this passage as well, as a way to provide for ourselves and a way to provide for others. If you don't work, you don't eat. That's the principle that we see played out in Proverbs and elsewhere as well. That work is a way that God has given us to provide for ourselves and for the people around us. It's how we set up the world. It's not, it's not just an invention of capitalism or uh, modern-day slavery, but it's a good work, and it's good to work and provide. And this is the principle that God set up in the world. So, so God would go even farther. He, he would say in 1 Timothy 5.8, If anyone does not provide for his relatives especially members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so to be a Christian and to not work, to not work to provide, again, according to the abilities God has given us, that's more dishonoring to God than the pagans around you. Because you know God's plan. You know his purposes, and you blatantly go against that when you do not work, when you're lazy, when you're not working to spread his glory. And so the word of God, both the promises and the warnings, they, they tell us, they command us, they motivate us to do work and to work with our full ability to glorify God. And so that's how we work. I would be remiss if I didn't say something about the responsibility of men in providing as well because we we can see it kind of in the pronouns used he has denied the faith and, and these masculine ideas pronouns but we see specifically before eve was created god gave adam the responsibility to work and then he created eve as a helper to him so it's not that Eve's not working and isn't supposed to work, isn't able to work. But he does give Adam this responsibility to lead out in working. And when we get to the New, New Testament, we see this pattern as well. That as Jesus provides for the church, nourishes the church, the wording used in Ephesians chapter 5, in the same way husbands are supposed to provide nourish their wife. And so we do see this expectation of the husband working to provide and given this responsibility. Clearly in Ephesians, what's being talked about is more than just food. It's spiritual in nature, nourishing your wife spiritually, but it's not less than providing physically as well. And so if you're a husband, work leads your family in this way by providing for them physically, leading them to spread the glory of God. If you're a wife, help do that task as well. Help spread the glory of God. Maybe that means working in a job. Maybe it means working at home. But whatever that looks like, we need to be working to spread the glory of God according to the patterns and commands he's given us in his word. And ultimately, we see from these passages that Christians must not be lazy, that God created people to work. And so when we work with our whole heart, we honor the Lord. 
And so that's part of the, the goodness of laying your head on the pillow after a hard days of work. It's not just that you've accomplished something, but you have actually honored the Lord in that. And that is a good thing. He created us to do. And that honors him and is a picture of him, the God who created, the God who did work. But God didn't just work, he also rested. And so we're reminded as we're thinking about working and working hard, we could go back to Psalm 127 and we could be reminded of trusting in the Lord in the work we do. Verse 2 of that psalm, right? Verse 1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Verse 2 says that it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. And so even as we think about working hard and being diligent, we're reminded that God didn't create us to be workaholics who are always in the office, always putting in overtime. We work hard, but we trust the Lord. And that means specifically that we need to know when to stop working. We need to know when to go to sleep. Because ultimately, it's not in our hands anyways. We're trusting the Lord to do this, to provide, to make our work meaningful and lasting. And so it's no wonder, really, that this psalm, in the second half, Psalm 127, then turns to talk about children. It says, children are a heritage from the Lord. This is the psalm that says that, Psalm 127. So first it talks about working and trusting in the Lord, and then it turns to talk about children and then being a gift and a blessing from the Lord. And I just think it's fascinating to think about why. Why would God pair those two things together? Because, well, we can see it in just normal life. Oftentimes when people become uh, workaholics or overworked, their family suffers for it, right? We can see that just from wisdom and looking around. And here, God is giving us this reminder to stop working, to sleep, but also to remember why you're working. You're working to spread the glory of God, and that's not going to happen through building buildings, through building cities, through doing great feats. This is going to happen through people. The glory of God is going to spread through people, and the greatest opportunity we have to do that is with our families, with our kids. And so the psalm reminds us to, to work hard and then remember the blessing God has given you and your family and focus on them and nourishing them and taking care of them well so that this work will last. It will continue on with your family and those around you. So as we work, we work hard to provide, but we trust the Lord to provide for us, and we work to spread the glory of God in our homes, with those around us, with those we work with. We trust that the Lord will do that work as we work and focus on that, and that he will change them so that so that they will then continue on, that they will work and be able to work, not just 
in vain, but working for the glory of God to spread his honor and name as well. That's really the vision we see behind work, and that's the motivation. And so as we look at Nehemiah, just this one verse, verse 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 6, the people had a mind to work. All of that biblical worldview understanding is really behind that, that God is motivating this, giving the people a will to work and the ability to work, and that the purpose of the work is to spread the glory of God. And they did that as they physically worked, but also as they worked to provide for their families and to establish the people in the land as they returned from captivity and returned to the Lord. And so that is an example to us to work hard, to have a mind to work. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we are thankful for work. Oftentimes we're not thankful for work. It's uh, just another task that takes up our time. Sometimes we enjoy it, sometimes we don't. It's tiresome sometimes, and it wears on our bodies physically, mentally. But Lord, we thank you for work and the goodness that you have created us to work. Remind us this morning, planted in our souls, that work is good and it's something from you. And remind us of why we are working, so that we would spread your glory. And even if we're not working a uh, normal job, so to speak, if we're retired, that we can still work to spread your glory. We do that in many ways. We do it as we build up the church and we build up each other. But remind us of these things, Lord, and give us the, the will to work. Give us the ability to work. And then as you have given us that motivation and ability, I pray that we will work hard, that we would be able to imitate all, as he said, that I worked harder than all the rest, yet not I, but Christ in me. Lord, may that be us and our example this week. We pray in Jesus' name.